I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Kelly. And. Kelly. This is Record Club, the podcast where people tell personal stories about how seminal albums impacted their lives. My name is Louise Burns. I'm a musician, producer, and your host. And on this show, we're going to hear stories told in front of audiences from our Record Club nights. At these musical gatherings, we pick one classic album and invite storytellers to share their tales of how that album intersected with their lives. You're not going to hear deep critiques or musical dissections, just honest stories from passionate music fans told live. For this episode of Record Club, we're traveling back to the late 70s for a Celtic-inspired pop rock album. It was an instant classic and became one of the best-selling albums of all time. Your Record Club album this week is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Holler if you made terrible relationship choices when you were young. I'm not saying that Fleetwood Mac is responsible for my recovery, but it brought me closer to Grace. Rumors has seeped into our shared memories, soundtracking everything from sweaty karaoke nights and summer barbecues to road trips with the windows down and the system up. Beyond the perfect pop songwriting, warm production, or the mythology of the band, the stories it tells give it the power to age alongside us. Growing up, Rumors felt like a window into adulthood. I didn't really know what lay me down in the tall grass and let me do my stuff meant, but I knew it was sexual and therefore very important. I also wasn't sure what a gold dust woman was, but I really wanted to be one. In retrospect, I'm kind of glad I didn't follow that path. We continue to look to rumors for guidance to this very day, to understand love and loss, creative relationships, jealousy, and escape. Right 
we're going to let writer Mandy Len Catron, author of How to Fall in Love with Anyone, tell you more about the album, pull apart our biological reaction to heartbreak, and explain why we keep returning to rumors again and again. I consider myself a kind of connoisseur of romantic suffering, and... (laughs) I feel like Lizzie really recognized my real area of expertise when she asked me to come introduce the greatest breakup album of all time. (laughs) I'm going to share a little bit of gossip with you guys tonight. In 1976, Mick Fleetwood, Christine McVie, John McVie, Lindsey Buckingham, and Stevie Nicks spent a year recording the follow-up to their 1975 hit album, Fleetwood Mac, in a studio in Sausalito, California. That same year, Christine and John McVie divorced. Buckingham and Nix ended their decade-long relationship, and Mick Fleetwood's wife left him, taking the kids with her. It was, to put it concisely, a hot mess. (laughs) Nix found herself in Fleetwood's bed, And Lindsey Buckingham got his revenge in the lyrics of Go Your Own Way. Nix later said she begged him to remove the line, packing up, shacking up is all you want to do, but he refused, which meant that she had to harmonize with him every time they sang this line (laughs) on stage. Her revenge came later when her breakup song, Dreams, was the only song from the album to hit number one in both the U.S. and the U.K., In fact, they were all writing songs about heartbreak, new love, and rebound sex while snorting mountains of cocaine. And then, each day, coming together in a six-by-nine-meter studio to record these same songs with the very people who were causing the pain that inspired them. They say some of the best art comes from suffering. But I want to take a minute to consider exactly what that suffering looks like, scientifically speaking. What I've learned from both research and personal experience is that breakups turn us into the pettiest, ugliest, most vulnerable, most pathetic versions of ourselves. They are not pretty. A now famous study conducted by biological anthropologist Helen Fisher found that going through a breakup is a lot like going through cocaine withdrawal. When participants looked at photos of their exes, researchers saw activity in the parts of the brain associated with physical pain. Their interviews with the subjects found rage, despair, and paranoia. The researchers concluded that romantic love was a goal-oriented motivational state. So going without it is as painful as going thirsty or hungry. Another study from 2012 found that sorrow, anger, and many other feelings can sweep through the brain with such vigor that one can hardly eat or sleep. This was the condition the members of Fleetwood Mac found themselves in (laughs) as they spent a year together recording rumors. It's also worth noting that most psychologists suggest that the best way to recover from heartache is not having an affair or turning to drugs, It's avoiding your ex, (laughs) putting space and time between you and the person you used to love, writing an album, going on tour, and singing harmonies set to lyrics about your selfish, conniving ways (laughs) might be 
one of the worst possible ways to get over someone. <laughs> but now, 40 years later, we have their heartache to thank for this testimony to the ugly, beautiful, messy, addictive, desperate sides of love. And while I don't envy their suffering, I'm so glad they made this record. <laughs> thank you. Rumors is arguably Fleetwood Mac's most important album. It combines musical influences of Celtic traditions, folk, and blues, including B.B. King, Sonny Boy Williamson, Janis Joplin, and Jimi Hendrix. Drummer Mick Fleetwood would later say that the success of that album allowed the band to keep playing music together to this day. But when it was written, Fleetwood Mac was falling apart. Songs like Dreams and Go Your Own Way depicted breakups happening within the band, and long nights of writing made tensions between exes even higher. But what came out of that was a beautiful, ethereal album about love, breaking away, and transition. Award-winning memoirist Sonia Larson leaned on this album during a transitional time in her life. It came out when she was a teen, living in a hippie community. So, my Fleetwood Mac story is this. It's 1977, and I'm 12 years old, and I'm in my best friend Zoe's living room, and we're dancing, and we're dancing to the Rumors album. We've got it cranked right up. I've known my best friend Zoe since we first met at New Morning Alternative Elementary School, which is a classic California hippie school. New Morning Elementary School, we go for field trips to the creek when it's hot, and we skinny dip. That's a, that's a school outing that we take. Um, at New Morning Elementary School, we are allowed to study what we want, when we want, and uh, mostly what I want to study is my best friend, Zoe. Zoe is everything that I'm not. She's tall, she's blonde, she's athletic, she's incredibly gifted with her hands, she can make tiny origami birds, she can sketch anything, even like human hands. Um, you know, when she draws, she doesn't like do that thing. She, like her drawings are real, right? Um, and Zoe, uh, Zoe's house has all kinds of things that my house doesn't have. She has two parents living in her house. She has a bedroom of her own. She has um, a pool out back. Um, and at Zoe's house, every Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. So I spend as much time as I can at Zoe's house by the pool where sometimes she pretends to drown me to entertain her little sister. But other times she towel dries my hair, she puts sunscreen on my back, she brings me lemonade, she makes me toast. Zoe and I believe that we're magic, that we have secret powers that we have not yet quite 
gotten a handle on. And when I discover um, a book on witchcraft, this totally confirms my suspicions. I am, I am deeply believing that we are meant to use our special powers. We spend hours collecting things for our spells, bones, feathers, bits of wood that we think are going to come in handy. But when we collect uh, some of her little sister's hair and make her cry, we do get in trouble. Um, we never spend time at my house. Zoe never comes to my house. Uh, I live in a semi-communal living situation with eight to ten other activists and my mother. Uh, I share a bedroom with my mother. At Zoe's house, the chores are likely to be washing the dishes or cleaning the car. But at my house, it's getting people assigned petitions or walking on picket lines, collecting food for the food bank. At my house, we're trying to save the world. But at Zoe's house, we're dancing. My favorite song to dance to is The Chain. I love it. Sometimes I throw myself into it like it's a game. Uh, I'm pantomiming all the words, the running, the hiding, the breaking of the chain. <laughs> and other times I just ride that wave of sound, that building crescendo, the dun, da da dun, da 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 dun, dun. And I have all this feeling flooding up inside me as I'm dancing. If you don't love me now, you will never love me again. And it feels like my heart is breaking because the chain is breaking. And I know it because in September, my best friend Zoe is going to a different school. She's going to high school and I know everything is going to be different. I try and warn her about all the things that are going to happen to her when she goes to this school, even though she doesn't have a choice. She has to go. She's too old to go to our school. But I still want her to know what she's in for. She's going to have to say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. All those straight kids and their straight ideas, they're going to try and change her. They're going to make you try and wear a bra, I tell her. They're going to want you to wear makeup. But, you know, Zoe, she doesn't seem all that worried about it. She talks about gym class and art class. She talks about trying out for the basketball team. And I know, I know that everything is going to change. I'm going to go to a new school, too, in September, the straight junior high school, so that Zoe and I will have something in common. But... I know that's not going to work. All summer I've been trying to come up with the secret formula, the magic, the spell that is going to keep us together forever. But I know I haven't found it, and I know that all I can do is wait and keep dancing. Thank you.
That magic is so hard to find. Not even the members of Fleetwood Mac could find the spell to keep their relationships together. Although relationships look and feel different than they did in 1977, Rumors is still one of the best breakup albums of all time. It documents band members' separations, secret affairs, creative tensions, and euphoric freedom. It perfectly translates the group's tumultuous time through its lyrics, which are relatable to those of us who have felt the sting of heartbreak or the yearning for a new love. Our next storyteller, Johnny McCurvey, understands that. She spent one summer of her life trying to decide if she should stay with her boyfriend or pursue a new romance with her best friend. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, Holler if you made terrible relationship choices when you were young. Okay, cool. Um, Me too. Also, I just, one more question uh, before I actually start my story is, uh, uh, if you're familiar with the movie Almost Famous. Can I hear? Yeah. Okay. You guys are a bunch of sentimental weirdos. Um, So the summer I graduated from high school, I got my first real boyfriend. Uh, I mean, like, in my adolescence, I pined for men and boys and obsessed over them and lost my virginity to a guy who was never my boyfriend. But this guy was different because he let me call him my boyfriend. (laughs) He was also like a super cool rave DJ. And like I had had a crush on him for ages. And, you know, I maybe not feeling myself so hard when I was a teen. So I didn't really think that someone like him would date someone like me. And we hooked up and I couldn't believe it. And uh, I felt it felt validating in this really awful way that I liked at the time. And now I'm just like, oof. Again, like, just, what are you fucking thinking? Um, and, uh, but he also was a terrible boyfriend. He was lame. He was a lame boyfriend. Uh, he was, he had what my mom would call, like, an independence disorder. Um, and so, like, we ne- I never felt, like, that connected to him. And, you know, I wanted a bit more than what I was getting. And he was just, like, off doing his own thing, being cool DJ and... So the relationship actually left me feeling like kind of insecure and lonely a lot. And uh, about a month after we started officially dating, I met somebody else. And I, he was fun and funny and like cute. And we got along super great. And he was really into me. And this is the part of the story where I'm like, yeah. And then I dumped that guy and then we dated. And that's not how it happened at all. Um, I don't know. Like, I didn't know that I could just, like, upgrade. Like, <laughs> like I, don't, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I didn't know that it was, like, up to me to choose, and, like, I could just be like, none of that anymore, I choose this, and because it's better. And I think I had, like, a weird gratitude towards this idiot for, like, tolerating me or, like, letting me hang around him or, you know, having sex with me or whatever. And uh, so so I, I, I honored this relationship that I had somehow gotten myself into. And this other guy, who was really great, became my friend. And he was a very respectful dude, rad. And, uh, and we had, we had uh, like, a 
overlapping social circles. So we hung out and we were pals. To the point where like at the end of that summer, we went on a camping trip. Just the two of us. <laughs> like, just us. And my boyfriend was like, whatever. Because <laughs> he sucked. <laughs> And so we threw all our stuff in my car and took off to the dunes of Oregon. And uh, we were driving. I was like Friday night, got kind of a late start. And so it's like nighttime. And I remember we were driving down the interstate and uh, it was raining a little bit. And uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac, obviously, tie-in theme. Um, <laughs> Dreams by Fleetwood Mac came on the radio. And he started singing along and he knew all the words and I was really impressed because I had yet to go through a classic rock phase and so I didn't I like I was kind of like I think I've heard this before and uh but mostly I listened to like weird like techno cassette tapes and like Bjork or whatever and uh and then he told me this story about how growing up in Ottawa his mother worked as a like a daytime waitress at a pub that had a karaoke setup, and uh, and so he would go after school and like hang out, wait for her to be done, and every once in a while before they left, she would sing uh, "Dreams." That was her song, and so that's why he knew all the words, and that's why he loved it so much. And he told me all about how it reminded him of her, and it was so touching. Unlike us because there was no touching. <laughs> I was like, nothing. I'm just like, we clearly had chemistry. We got along super great. Like my friends had commented on it. And even these people that were camping down the way from us that we had talked to, we came back to our camp one day and there was this bundle of firewood sitting in camp, a little note on it, and these people that we just like talked to for a minute or whatever had left this little note. It was really sweet because they were like, hi, we're on our honeymoon, and you know, you guys seem like a really sweet couple, and like, they were like high on these newlywed fumes, and they were like, love, we love love, like have some firewood, and have a cozy fire, make out, and I was just like, oh my fucking like, like, I tortured myself all weekend, knowing that this person was a better person for me, and in the world even, <laughs> just generally. And I was stuck at this, like, I was paralyzed. I was, like, in this weird, put myself in this purgatory where I was, like, weirdly, like, loyal to this ding-dong who, like, <laughs> didn't make me feel good about myself. And, like, clinging to the idea that I had a boyfriend, like it was a life preserver. And this wonderful person next to me is like, let's make a fire, let's have fun, and I'm having the weekend of my life, and whatever. And so I just, it was tough, you guys, it was tough. But it was also really, really fun. And then uh, Monday rolled around, and we packed up all our stuff, and we hit the road to come back home. And we stopped to get gas. And we, uh, so I went in and I saw a newspaper. You know, this is the year 1997, you guys. Like, we didn't need to try to unplug. Like, <laughs> you just like left your house and you're like, whoops. Like, <laughs> never don't know anything. So, 
so I saw a newspaper for the first time in like three or four days, and the headline on it read, uh, Princess Diana dies in fatal car crash. I just, I felt stunned. I didn't feel like a, a personal thing, but I felt really stunned. I went back to the car, and I told this guy the news, and... We didn't really, like, have a lot to say about it. You know, neither of us were big, like, loyalists or whatever. And um, so, we, but we drove for a little while in this, like, contemplative silence. And, uh, okay, so the whole, okay, the reason I asked about Almost Famous is because I want to do something with you guys right now where I, like, basically make a new ending to this story. Like, I want to Cameron Crow this part of my life. <laughs> I want to like I want to write like the super sentimental, like hopelessly romantic, optimistic, like follow your dreams in your heart and like mm-hmm, Kate Hudson. Um, <laughs> just a new thing. Because otherwise it just ends and it's stupid. And then I have like seven more months of dating that idiot. Um, so new, new, new memory that we're going to create tonight. If you picture it, it'll be real and then I'll be stoked. Um, so it's what, Monday, September 1st, 1997. It's a very sunny, beautiful day, and we're driving up the interstate through probably Washington. And it's an 86 Toyota Corolla, a little two-door with like a pale, steely blue color. And uh, it doesn't have a tape player, so there's just the radio. And it's like silent in the car. We're like watching the world go by because we're sad. And then I start playing with the radio because I'm not driving at this point. And I start playing with the radio and I, I find a radio station, good signal. And uh, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac starts playing. And this, in this version, it's like my favorite song and I know all the words. <laughs> and so we sing. We sing, you know, thunder only happens when it's raining. And uh, and then we start like glancing at each other a little bit. Those, cute. And then I had this feeling like this this new kind of a, 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 a like an energy like I can make a choice and I can do this and I I choose this person and I gently reach across over the like emergency brake thing and like and I take his hand. In the end. Rumors is an album that keeps people coming back again and again, especially for relief during hard times. And in the current time we're living in, where COVID-19 has stunted our ability to travel and connect, we can listen to Rumors with fresh ears. It's now an album that brings us comfort when we're stuck in place. That's how Fleetwood Mac ended up bringing solace to Jordan Kochuk, our last storyteller. He ended up stumbling onto a secret stash of the Mac when he was going through a stringent rehab program. Hi, my name's Jordan, and I'm an alcoholic. You're laughing, but it's true. 
<laughs> See, okay, have you got, has no one been to an AA meeting? You know the drill. I'm going to do it again. My name's Jordan. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Thank you very much. It's true. I have a predisposed genetic uh, thing to when alcohol enters my body, it's an allergy and a spiritual malady. But I also like good records. And rumors saved my ass just this last summer. And I'll tell you why. I, I decided after a bit of a rough patch, which, which is normal, this is what some of us do, um, I went into treatment uh, th- this summer and, and picked the first place that was available for two months. It wasn't a good fit. <laughs> and it doesn't mean I was better than anybody else there, but it just, it just was not a good match. Let me paint a picture for you. It was a big house with an even bigger smoking pit where I learned to vape. That's actually not that bad. (laughs) And I was the only alcoholic with 40 men who were actually, and this is dark, but uh, suffered and were fighting um, addictions with uh, meth and crack and crank and steroids. And uh, so as dark as that was, there was no one really to relate to. And we all slept in old bunk beds um, and it was a very prison-like atmosphere. I didn't sleep a lot. It was a hard place to recover. And I was the only guy without tattoos as well. Then, and there was this thing, even with some of the staff, with knuckle tattoos. So there was a guy who prided himself on being a fighter, and his knuckle said, show time. And another guy said, criminal. And I wonder what I would do. It would be like soft hand. Uh, <laughs> don't hurt. <laughs> or help me with three E's. <laughs> it was a hard place to recover. My nickname was The Doc because they all thought at the start I was an undercover doctor. Because I was clean cut. So there's some that thought I was a spy or an undercover journalist and nobody trusted me. So I spent a lot of time alone. And the fact that I didn't say fuck every three words made me a snob. It was a hard place to recover. It was kind of a different place than other rehab places that you imagine from movies or your imagination where there are trained counselors and (laughs) professionals. This was a place that was run by ex-addict and con artists, and God bless them for recovering, but had a year or more of sobriety under their belt. One guy, one staff member wanted to try meditation for the first time. So we all laid down on the floor. We closed our eyes. And he was like, uh, I want you to picture a happy place. It's like, maybe like a fucking barbecue and... Uh, this is like this where's some good fucking steaks and this went on for 60 minutes yeah but we weren't allowed in this place to have internet or the phone or music for the first 35 40 days which made the shit so real and there were four little booths uh little cubicles with closed doors with ancient computers no internet Um, where we were sent to listen to speaker tapes to get inspired. But if you look closely on the drive, there was music that past clients put in. 
And most of this music, I would say 99% of this music, was really violent rap and death metal and things that really weren't conducive to peaceful recovery. But one day I found rumors. And it is so serendipitous that I was asked to talk today, six months later, about how rumors shaped my life. Because I would sit like Tim Robbins in Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> with the door locked, my hands above my head, feet on the desk, and just love this nice music. Which I never, you know, I remember my mom and dad playing it and, you know, classic rock radio, but I really got to know this record. And it brought a sense of peace and patience. And I started to love these guys and I started to recover. And I'm, I'm not saying that Fleetwood Mac is responsible for my recovery, but it did bring me this respite that brought me closer to grace. And uh, it's been six months and and six months since I've listened to the record since being asked to do this. And when I listened to the record this week, uh, everything just came rushing back. It, it, it cracked me. And uh, it's, it's remarkable how a, a record over shitty, crackly, old speakers can still give you hope. And I think, uh, I think life can be wonderful. And I hope all of you um, find the hidden tracks in a tiny room far from home and make your life electric. Thank you. record club for this week for our final episode this season we hear stories inspired by an androgynous alien rock star bent on saving the earth from destruction well that's what the album is about and it marked a point in music where rock science fiction and gender experimentation collided into something truly special your record club album for next week is the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars by david bowie Right now we're talking about David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Can I hear it? Amen. Record Club is a Kelly and Kelly production. It is recorded on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. It is produced by Chris Kelly, Max Collins, Lauren Berkovich, Dave Shumka, and Jody Camilleri. Special thanks this week to Cam Burke. Record Club was created and produced by Lizzie Carp and Ken Tsoi. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, spread the word about it, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Louise Burns. Thanks for listening. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 